Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Well, hello, builders. We would like to welcome you to this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. Hey, we hope you're building on something. Maybe you're building a team, building a business. Hey, building yourself, working on relationships. We want to help you and guide you through that journey so that you can build yourself and then build others. I am grateful today to have a special guest. We have got PJ Kaposi, and PJ has a great resume, does a lot of things, but we're just going to do a brief here. He's an award-winning teacher. He's a leader. He's a best-selling author. He's a TED Talker, and he's an in-demand keynote speaker. He's also a consultant, so he, he goes out and, and shares this with others, and he's spent his entirety of his career in education, but he speaks on many topics and is most noted for his direct and unique approach to solving the complex issues of time management. So, hey, PJ, welcome to the uh, podcast today, man. Brian, so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. And and what you have done for education, I think I told you before we started this, I volunteer for education and construction and love to see students and see them grow. So, man, spending a life, I, I recognize these teachers, they give their lives to, to teaching. It's, it's, it's a fulfillment for them. You know, certainly most of them don't do it for the money because they're, they're not making a whole lot of money, but they absolutely give their lives to the students and to their families and their parents. So thank you for what you do for, for education. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. Man. So tell our listeners a little bit about you. Give us some background. Absolutely. So I am currently a superintendent of a medium-sized district in Illinois. Um, I know a lot of people when they hear Illinois, they think Chicago. We're more Iowa than we are Chicago um, in the way that um, we're constructed. Uh, my The entirety of my teaching career, however, was in the inner city of Chicago. So I come with, uh, grew up in the suburbs, uh, teaching experience, and my introductory to administration experience was in urban settings. Uh, and now kind of in the small town rural uh, setting here in Illinois. So we are a four building district, about 2000 kids and trying to lead a school district through a pandemic. So it's been an interesting year. That is awesome. And your diversification for the city and the, and the suburbs is, is pretty cool. You know, I live in central Florida and most people, when they think of Florida, they think of beaches and Disney world. And yet we have a whole lot of agriculture in Florida. There's a lot of groves and there's a lot of cattle and, and, you know, when I think of New York, I think of New York City. And yet when I was able to go to upstate New York and see how beautiful that country is, and, and as you allude to it, Illinois, man, there's a lot of farmland in Illinois. It's not only Chicago. So, you know, sometimes we, we get these mental images of places because what they're popular for, and yet there's a whole nother element to them. Absolutely. I just did some work in Perry, Florida, and uh, that that was not my mental image of Florida uh, when I was in Perry. So it's uh, I, that resonates with me for sure. So my aunt lives in a little town that's actually smaller than Perry, if you'll believe that. It's called Daytown. It's about 20 minutes outside of Perry. So I'm very familiar with Perry, and that, that's just great. Yeah. Hey, life brings us to places, and we get to understand things better. And that's part of what we want to talk about today. So number one, I want to ask you, what does leadership and being a leader mean to PJ Kaposi? Well, I think being called a leader or being recognized as a leader is like the greatest compliment someone can, can bestow, right? Like it's a, it's a title that I think is truly, truly earned. So when I think of leadership, um, I'll start with my philosophy, then I'll kind of give the one sentence. But my, my philosophy with leadership is that my job is to set a really compelling vision for a brighter future, to see things better than they are. 
um, and then to help chart that path and along the way provide tons of support to those people that are on that journey, um, but also provide accountability. And I think that's a, a part that is one of the two is often missing, right? Like either there's um, a ton of support, no accountability, or a ton of accountability and no support. So I think a good leader kind of does both of those things. And then if we we succeed, we celebrate and start the process over again. And if we don't, then we kind of recalibrate and go through. So for me, leadership is just about setting the conditions for personal change. So as a leader, um, I, I don't know that any industry works without its people, right? Like that people trump policy, people trump programs. Everyone's got a good idea. It, uh, the It's people that execute those ideas and in turn, uh, small entrepreneurship opportunities into really successful companies. And so for me, uh, what I, I put everyone in the same direction, hopefully like through a compelling vision, but then it's about the growth of the individuals. Um, if I'm growing my people and they're growing their people and their people are growing their people, eventually we're going to have a heck of a product. Um, it's not as quick as uh, trying to, you know, make a lot of change with pen or policy or protocol, uh, but I think it's the only way to sustain change. And to me, it's what fuels me as a leader when I feel like I'm actually investing and helping change uh, the individual lives of people that I support with and serve as a leader. I, I like that definition. We, we always get a different definition of, of leadership when we ask this question and everyone's got great ideas and great answers. One of the things that I want to focus on that I heard you say is the accountability piece and, and not only the accountability, but, but when you come back, so some people, when they, when they hold others accountable, they say it didn't work. And what you're saying is maybe it didn't work, but that's not to say it can't work. And, and so you, you, you said, we, we're going to reevaluate. If we're not going to have a celebration, we're going to look at it, reevaluate and re retool or repurpose. And I love that answer. I, I think that's just great that, that you think like that and realize, and I just, it just came to my mind instead of uh, it won't work. It's, it didn't work, but it can. So when I look at things that didn't work or, or people that aren't working out within the organization, to me, like when we decide to move on from an individual, it's either because they're incompetent or insubordinate. And I, I use those two words very intentionally because um, for, for us to know somebody's incompetent, that means we've invested, we've supported, we've provided uh, opportunities for individual growth. And even taking advantage of those, then they, they, they just don't have what it takes to be successful. But that means the onus is on us to, to pour into them first. And the same thing with insubordination. We, that means we're providing really, really direct feedback. And, and direct mandates for behavior or performance that people are not able to hit. Either way, that means that we've had to pour into it on the front end uh, before we make any decision on the back end. And I think too often what happens is we have the first individual hiccup um, for our people that are accountability heavy or data metric heavy without understanding the humans behind the data and metrics, and they want to move on. Um, I just don't think that that Again, to me, that's not the calling. The calling is to improve people, to set the conditions for appropriate change. And if we're doing that, um, then I think it becomes in incumbent upon us to pour into them first as a, as a process of accountability. Well, that right there you have it is a leader. So PJ has, has exemplified leadership there, looking for potential in others and growing that potential. You know, you know a seed just laying on the counter is not going to do anything. You got to plant the seed. You got to get it in the soil. Then, then things start to happen. You got to water it. And then, and then things are going to flourish in quality soil. So just to say it didn't work doesn't mean it can't work. So I think that's going to be the theme of, of our, uh, our message today. If it, if it, it didn't work, doesn't mean it can't work. So I, I love that. You talk about here in your application about being a three-time cancer survivor. And you say life is short. Life is definitely precious. It is short. 
Tell us a little bit about that story. Uh, so it starts with, it really kind of starts and ends in, in a lot of ways with my experience in high school. So as a 17-year-old, um, at that point, like I had enjoyed every privilege that a 17-year-old could have. I had a loving, nurturing family. Um, I was naturally smart, so school came very easy to me. I was athletic. Like everything was, you know, the world was at my, my feet. It was, it was a, a charmed existence. And then kind of out of nowhere, um, one doctor appointment led to two. And next thing you know, uh, I've got a cancer diagnosis on my, on my plate and that, you know, starting to talk to doctors about percentage chances of, of survival. And I would love to tell you, like at 17, I was mature enough to kind of compartmentalize and to process through all of that. And, and I didn't, right? Like at 17, you just, and I think anyone that's had cancer can, can kind of resonate with this. When you, the time between diagnosis and treatment is, is mental anguish. Once you start treatment, you're just in the fight. And so you get through the fight and then about three months later, you realize, oh man, this could come back. And then that mental anguish starts again. Um, so for me, by the time that I processed through and really understood what happened to me as a, as a human being, it was probably mid college. Um, so I, you know, I may be three years in. And so like I, I had adopted the mindset life was short, but it was much more of like the YOLO life is short rather than I'm going to you know maximize my purpose and passion. Um, and then, you know, around 21 or so, I kind of um, had some counseling just to be transparent and work through some things. And I started to understand a little bit more about myself and increase my self-awareness. And from then I kind of, you know, came very clearly to the mindset of like, tomorrow's not promised. And, uh, so I, like I've gone really hard in life. Like, um, when you, like you read the resume or the bio and I'm going to give a speech, like it's a lot, but that's because I'm trying to cram as much life into every day as possible. And the experience is the second and third time um, have been bumps in the road and they've been grind and they've been harder on my family than they've been on me at that time. Cause I've already kind of, um, kind of calloused the mind in, in that regard. Um, but it's, it's something that I hoped everyone would kind of take out of the pandemic. So I, and you know, initially was kind of paralyzed by health anxiety. And then as I started to process through, I started to look for silver linings. And my, my hope is that a lot of my success has been fueled by understanding mortality as dark as that sounds. Um, and what the pandemic did, at least in March and April of last year, was make, I think everyone considered the mortality at one point or the other before we realized exactly what we were dealing with. And uh, my hope was that everyone just would be invigorated by that and would embrace life and embrace joy and try to find passion and, and live out their purpose. And what I've seen so far in the last six months is I don't think that's, uh, that's taken place. Um, but I, I hope that in, in speaking and in doing and in, in writing and doing and trying to share the message is that um, if I can help a person each time I speak or two people kind of latch into like understanding like, okay, you know, I, I'm the architect of my own life. I'm the CEO of PJ Inc. If I am not happy and I am not doing what I want to do, then it's time to potentially look and, and, and consider like life is short, but you just don't want to grind through life um, because believe me, it can happen, right? Like you can be a hardworking, provide for your family and grind through life and never attack your passion and purpose. To me, that's really sad. Um, and I hope, want to help as many people avoid that as possible. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict? 
reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode. You know, you have an you have an outlook, you know, based on this being a young person and, and surviving cancer, but but also you and I had a conversation how how you've been in education, have you lost students? So I think you probably have a compassion be, knowing you could have potentially lost your life at that age. And then and then you see these young people, their lives gone due to tragedy. So have a little let's have a little conversation around that. Yeah, I mean, I think that anyone that's in education, you do the the, the gig long enough, you're going to lose a student. Um, being in leadership and having, obviously, domain over several buildings, it happens a little bit more frequently. So, and it never, ever gets easier, right? Like, it's, it's, and I don't know that it should, right? Like, I don't know if you're a quality educator, it should. Uh, my last year in Chicago, we lost eight students in, in a single year. Um, so when you try to put that into context, I mean, that's, you know, there's nine months of the school year. So that means on average, you're going through this process once a year where you're grieving and, and trying to support and, and help kids. And, you know, they're, they're, and that, that's the inner city of Chicago. And I know that's different. And a lot of people are like, that's not what's normal. But no matter where you go, there's, there's auto accidents, there's suicides, there's, there's terminal illness, there's other things that, that come up. And again, it's just, it's, it's that constant reminder of that life is short and are we who we want to be? One of the stories that resonates with me more than than anything is um, as a principal, we had a student take um, take his life and it was hard. It was emotional and very popular student, very connected with kids. Our, our whole building kind of was in this this funk. And so as principal, I'm leading. Um, and, and so I, I am trying to do everything I can to support the parents, support the community, support the kids. And I'm just kind of on autopilot and not really feeling what, what I'm feeling. And the last thing which that happens is when a student passes is that typically administration will clean out the student's locker and then we deliver it to the parents. And I remember going through that process and the whole time I just, again, kind of been on autopilot and I hand over the materials to the dad and I'm a dad and um, the, the dad starts looking around the house and everything he sees, he starts talking about what he wish he would have done differently or what he wish he would, would have spent more time with this kid. And I lost it. I, I, I couldn't speak for 10 to 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, so when, when I am grinding really hard at work and I am not seeing my kids, like I, I, that, that image of standing in that doorway crying for 15 or 20 minutes is a constant reminder of me of the man I want to be. I, I don't, do I want to change lives and influence people and be a, a great speaker and a great author? Yeah. That's like miles down the list below trying to be a great dad. And so, um, and I don't think I'm, I'm different in my thinking there, like everyone's like kind of most important job is to be a great husband, great father. Um, but sometimes when we look at how we chart our life, we don't chart our life that way. And so I think we all need like the, every once in a while, we need to take a little self-assessment and say like, look, is this what I really, am I allocating my time? Am I putting my, my most valuable resource, which is myself, my vessel, my brain, my time toward what's most important to me. Um, and unfortunately, um, I think most of us aren't. And I think that's where a lot of discontent and dishappiness and, and unhappiness comes from. Um, and that's what I try to kind of bring people back for. And so for me, it's whenever I, you know, everyone processes things internally and, and through their own lens. My just hope is that when people are faced with either tragedy or triumph, 
that they're taking that as a moment to self-assess and say, is this what's really important to me? And does this really bring me joy and happiness? Because life is short. Time is a finite resource. And I want to be the best per- that I can, I want to leave the legacy that I want to leave. And that's going to be different for everybody. Um, but I just wish more people were mindful of that. Yeah, PJ, it's such a tough world. I like to say that uh, life is hard and sometimes we human beings make it harder. And, and one of the things that I train and coach people to do, you talked about the triumphs and the tragedies, you know, you've seen that uh, line where where here we are and here's where we want to be on and there's a straight line. And then they also show it with the zigzags. Yep. What I encourage people to do is round off those, and, and you say triumphs, so I'll use that word today, round off the triumphs and round off the, the tragedies. So that these high spikes are, I mean, man, if, you, if you're on top of the world and on top of the mountain, that ride down, if it's, if it's, if it's a peak, it gets, gets high momentum. And then when you're down in the trenches, man, if it's, it's, it's a V, it's, it's hard to get out of. And so if we can, and you, you said earlier, and I love it, it's something I have to tell myself, I have control of me. You know, the, the six months you talked about being bleak, it, it has been. And, but, it, but suicide, and, and maybe somebody's listening today, listen, suicide is not the answer. You have value, you have purpose, you have passion. Please, for your family, for yourself, for us, me and PJ, don't do that. High school students, family, elderly, you're here for a reason. You're here for us. Stay, stick around. But also, I'm in control of, of these relationships with family. Like, like you alluded to, Hey, I want to, I got a podcast. I, I'm a speaker like PJ is. I, I want to speak to the world. I want to, but, but if I don't start with my family first, if I don't have influence over them, how in the world can I influence others? I mean, I think it's, again, most people would say it's their most important job, right? Like, and so I know there's healthy debate, whether the most important job is to be a good spouse or a good parent, right? Like, and it's hard to be a good parent, and I guess, whatever the, the case is. Um, but again, it's, when I ask people, oftentimes I'm like, all right, what do you spend time on each week that you that you know is a waste of time? And what do you wish you spent more time on? And so my, my point in having them do that exercise, which always turns out to be roughly the same, right? Like too much time on TV and doom scrolling and social media and Netflixing and not enough time on my family, on my faith and on my fitness. Almost universally comes across as the answer, right? And so it's, we know the answer. So like, that's why when I talk about time management, like I'm, I'm in people's spaces. This is not about time. This is about you. This is about you making choices that align with who you want to be. Um, and, and I think oftentimes we just don't, right? Like there are um, times where we lack the discipline in order to make the difficult choices to be the person we want to be. Um, and it, I, I hope that like, again, when I talk about my cancer situation, like wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, wouldn't take it back if I could, right? Like, so, cause it's rewired my brain. It's calloused my brain. Like I know certain things now developed a certain level of toughness and grit and resilience as a result of it. Um, I just hope that people are able to get to this mentality without having to go through that. Um, and if we can do that, then I think that we have a lot of people that are going to um, change the course of their life and to understand that they have more agency in their own life and that they are capable of, of amazing things. And, um, and I know this kind of sounds like it's from a position of privilege, but like the vast majority of people are not at their max earning potential. And so like, that's one of the things I say all the time, particularly when I'm working with educators, but even when I'm working with lawyers or insurance agents or executives, very few people are at their max earning level. So if we know that we can get a competitive, comparative rate in a different industry that might bring us more joy, then what are we waiting for? 
Like, why, why are we not being that architect of our own life? Why are we not thinking about where we want to be in five, 10, 15 years and charting our path um, and, and hopefully getting there early? Like I shared with you before, like none of my five-year plans have ever worked out. And it's been a good thing because I've kind of gotten to where I wanted to get a little early and now I have to rechart the path. Um, but are, why, like we get one shot at this. We got one at bat. Like, why aren't we being a little bit more thoughtful in our approaches to how we're using our most valuable resource, which is time? Without a doubt, and you mentioned it, there are several things that we do that, that are time wasters. And, you know, some things can help us if you're, you're using puzzles or doing something with your time that, that helps your brain. And we do need time for relaxing. But for the most part, a lot of us waste time and, and waste energy that, that could be used for good of others. You know, one of the things you put in your application is time management doesn't exist. So we all have 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's amazing how the, the earth turns and creates time for us. But, but we all have the same amount of time. So so what someone else is doing and you think they're successful, you have the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. I mean, so in, in my experience of coaching people, it is the exceptionally rare minority situation where somebody truly doesn't have the time to do the things that they want to set out. Like now there are times where the, the job is so demanding and the capacity doesn't meet that those demands. Like th that does exist, but I'm here to, if anyone is in that situation right now where they feel overwhelmed and they don't have the time to do what they, they want to, they can't live the life that they've imagined. And I'm not talking about like private jet life. I'm just talking about like the life that they've imagined with their family and whatever else. Again, the exceptionally rare situation is where truly like talent and capacity doesn't make meet demand and time is truly an issue. For the most part, it's just us. It's self-inflicted. We have a handful of things going on in our brain, pulling us in different directions. The neuroscience behind it is pretty compelling. And until we understand and can kind of channel what's going on in our brain to help us plot out what that actually means and like how it's impacting us and what's holding us back and what's pulling us forward, um, it becomes a, a hard task. Um, and the other thing that I love to discuss is like, we also are just ridden with guilt as human beings. And so until we can like face what is we actually feel guilty for and start to have some real uh, meaningful conversations with those people that we care about and love the most, then I think that uh, people are, are so weighed down by guilt that it prevents them from taking the adequate steps forward to, to live the life they've imagined. That's wonderful, PJ. Listen, uh, one of the other things you said in your application was people are what make great organizations, not policies and programs. So I want you to speak into that a little bit. I agree with this. So I want to hear more about it. Well, you know, obviously my, my area of expertise is education. So if somebody could write the perfect curriculum and drop it on a school and like everyone, every kid would have this amazing education, like it would have been done already and somebody would be a billionaire, right? Like that, that's like, there, there is that, but what happens is we, drop amazing programs into schools with really poor cultures and without um, cultures that are improving their people. And those amazing programs fail. And then we conversely can take a substandard and average a mediocre program and drop it into a culture where there's amazing people doing amazing things. And that program will be successful. And like that happens over and over again, we can go case study by case study by case study, research by research, by re we can like, this is like, that's not an opinion what I just said. And so the, simple deduction is this is like organizations are built on the backs of humans. Um, and even if you think of like the most innovative entrepreneurial uh, organizations right now, like, so if you take like in like Uber, like Uber was magic cab. Uber just executed better because I had better people executing at that time. 
Like, so even the most innovative ideas very rarely um, stay like, like that, that is not what's going to make people money. That's not what's going to make people incredibly successful. It's going to be the people executing the ideas. Um, and, and if you want your people to execute at a high level, then you have to invest in your people. And, it, and to me, that's the, the role of leadership is like, like, of course, we have to make some tough policy and protocol decisions. Absolutely. Like that's been my year trying to figure out whether we should be in school or out of school uh, as a district. Like those are tough policy level decisions. However, whatever decision I decide, the success of that decision is going to be carried out by the people within the organization. So the, my focus, instead of just on policy and protocol, which is where a lot of like C-level executives get stuck, is, is that it's got to be that I have some plan to develop and support my people along their individual journeys. Yeah, I uh, I love that. Definitely people make things happen. People people do business with people. We hear that all the time and it's so true. And, and in education, you know, I told you I volunteer in the high schools and I see an educator that has, you know, just has the students, just their lives in his hands and they love this, this teacher. And yet the district or the school system has this red tape bureaucracy that he's not checking these boxes to meet their criteria, to meet their policies and procedures. However, the students are learning and engaged. I think that should be what we're after. And, and I think that's where we can learn from each other, learn from industry and, and, and learn that people are what we're at. Pe people doing well is what we're after. Policies and procedures are necessary. I'm, I'm not discounting them, but we need to understand what the outcome is and, and what we're des our desires are and adjust our policies and procedures to, to fit that. For sure. I mean, if you think about the, if you have a company or an organization that is strictly guided by systems policies and procedures, what you've essentially said is there's no creativity allowed within that organization, right? Like, so what happens oftentimes, and I, I'm a systems person, like I believe that there's a requisite level of systematic procedures that need to be in an organization for it to be successful. However, when we take it to the nth degree and we over-systematize and over-protocol everything, what we've done is we've killed, killed creativity. And what we know, like in education, like we need creativity badly. We need to reimagine. We need to evolve in terms of what we're doing. Um, but when we're stuck within a system and we over protocol things, and this is like, again, I gave an education specific example. I think this is agnostic, right? Like when we over systematize things, it becomes, it, it kills the, the creativity without the creativity. Oftentimes there's no joy. Um, and so what we're doing kind of by proxy is eliminating some of the joy of our employees. When we eliminate joy, even if we tell people we're invested in their growth, but we don't let them be creative, then are we really invested in their growth? Wow. I have a saying I share with my team here that our processes and procedures cannot get in the way of our product. It, it, it's got to be part of the, the, the routine, but not don't let it be, don't let it hinder the product. So, well, PJ, we are at that point of the show where we got to close things down. So tell the listeners how they can get in contact with you, where they can find you on social media, just however you want to share with the audience this closeout. Absolutely. Um, so I'm available on social media, a kind of a convoluted handle. Most places, it's M-C-U-S-D, SUP, S-U-P-E, for Meridian Community Unit School District SUP, um, or just my name, PJ Capozzi. Um, and everything that I talk about, produce, um, blog, written content, eBooks, et cetera, all available on my website, which is www.pjcapozzi.com. Perfect. And for the listeners, we'll add that to the show notes. You'll be able to see the email addresses and, and his contact information there. So reach out to PJ 
he's out there making things happen both in education and in the industry. So it's, it's good to know that he's, he's making it happen and got the side hustle like I do. So we have that in common. Listen, we were grateful to have you listen to the build your success podcast today. I want you to strive to build yourself and then build others. Do me a favor, wherever you're listening to this podcast, go over to that app and leave us a rating and review. Tell us how we're doing. Send me an email. My email is brianb at buildcs.net. Love to hear from you. Thanks for your time today. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.